And we have one more update. Um, as Mara said, I am not Tom. Tom and Joe are in Russia. And uh, they're there. This is uh, one of the two, two main areas of ministry focus for us at Branches, that we support the Vineyard Church there in Russia. There's only a handful um, lacking resources, um, but big in the Holy Spirit. Um, so for us to be able to go and encourage them, spend time with them. I heard from Dave this morning, Tom just had an opportunity, or is about to have an opportunity to share in for five hours on prayer. So um, continuing to pray for them and their trip. I do have a bit of an update I want to share. Um, from Tom, I think I got this Thursday. It said, we re- arrived late Sunday or late night, Monday night, and after two hours of sleep, caught several trains to the city of Vladimir. Uh, that night, Tuesday, Kent, Kent Butcher from the Syracuse Vineyard is on the team with him. Kent and I met with church leaders. Uh, Kent taught, and we prayed for the leadership. Joe met with a group of ladies and led a discussion on marriage. Really cool city. Uh, Wednesday morning, we caught a train, forgive my Russian, but to Nizhny Novgorod. I preached at a church, and we led ministry time. I prayed for a lady who had slipped on the ice and hurt her foot. She had gone to the doctor earlier that day and had x-rays. She actually had the x-rays with her. After praying, she was amazed that the pain was gone. Uh, Funny thing is that she's from Ohio, teaching English there. So, some neighbors. Um, Today, we had a pastor's meeting, eight hours long. Reports were given. We worshiped two different times. We prayed for all the pastors and spouses. Each one received incredible words. It was awesome. Earlier today, Joe went and led a discussion with a women's 12-step group, and she said it was awesome as well. So, uh, good report. I can't wait to hear what else. I'm sure they're going to have some great stories to share with us. Uh, But while they're gone, uh, Tom kicked us off last week in this series. I don't know if we have a good name for it, the why. Why? Why? That's the why series. Not the letter, the word. And so Tom spoke last week on why we do ministry time. What's this thing that we do here that we call ministry time? And um, then this week, we're going to talk about worship. And then next week, Dave Russell is going to talk about why we read our Bible. And uh, this is really in the context of kind of a broader thing. Last uh, business meeting, Tom talked about how the end of year, if you remember last year, if you were here, we did this Vineyard Distinctive series where we we talked about our DNA. Who is it that we are? What do we want to be about? And then coming into the new year, we wanted to transition then into the practical application of all that we are. So this is just more of that, more of how do we live out this, the mission statement that we have here. Um, So this isn't going to be a Vineyard Distinctives message, um, but more about the things that that we do practically to build on top of that. Um, And just a reminder, because everything is about that mission statement, um, Frank, am I clipping? I feel like I hear a clipping. Do you guys hear that? Is it just me? Okay, sorry, it's going to bother me all day. And that's fine. Um, our mission statement here at Branch is we are a group of people that are intimately connected with the vine, Jesus, with a heart to branch out to the community of Warsaw and see lives changed for God's kingdom. Um, so everything we do, all these practical things that we're talking about that we do here, we're doing in order to support that mission statement. And so this idea that I'd really like us to come away with today is if you say, I'm on board with that mission statement, that I'm part of Branches Vineyard Church, I want to see the kingdom of God revealed throughout Warsaw, then you carry a responsibility to actively and authentically participate in our worship services because that's a part of how our mission statement is carried out. That's what I'd like us just to come away with it. If you're here and you say, I'm on board, I got on the bus, I found my seat, I'm rowing, whatever word picture you use to say, I'm in, 
you need to actively participate. We carry responsibility together to do that. Um, so as I said, we're not going to talk about the distinctives, but if you do want to find those out, they are posted on the website. If you go to branchesvineyard.org, um, this is for you. Uh, the menu over here, there's a services menu. There's a drop-down that says listen to past messages. On all of those pages, on one of the sides, I think it's the right side, there's a list of like words that are all like black buttons, and they're just categories uh, so you can find what you're looking for to listen to. But if you click on the vineyard one, you can find the distinctives. If you have some questions about what I talk about today that I, I don't address, you can check those out. You can ask later. That's fine, um, but that's a good place to go. But in order to get running into our topic today, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the vineyard past. Um, vineyard was started by a guy, John Wimber, back in the 70s-ish. Um, so early 70s, they would have been just starting out and group homes with small churches, and there really would have just been this heart of, we believe God is calling us to go into deeper authenticity with God. So that was what everything was about when they came together, when they met. And um, John Wimber, he tells a story, and he says that basically he had thought at that time that when when you you use the word worship, that you think about the whole, the context of the whole service, that everything from coming in to greeting time to offering to the singing, the sermon, all of it is just wrapped up in this word worship. But as they were going along, they were noticing that um, certain times, in particular when they were singing, there was a deeper intimacy that they were experiencing. And um, even more than that, there was a, a particular type of song that when they were singing songs to God rather than about him, that, that intimacy was even deeper. So that brought up all these conversations about, you know, a little bit of confusion about what exactly are we doing and when does worship take place, when does it not take place. Thank you, that does sound better to me. I appreciate it. Um, so in that, uh, there are a couple things that the team kind of put together is these basic ideas about what worship service looks like. The first is that... Um, Worship, uh, deepest worship happens in these intimate times of singing songs directly to God. So because of that, there was an elevation of our singing time that for us, we're very particular about what we want to accomplish when we sing songs, when we select them, where we want to go thematically for the day to support all of that. And it's a unique time that we set aside that is a lot more than just preparing you for the sermon. It actually does something that we want to, and it actually, it provides opportunity for us to move into extended worship times for a couple hours if, as the spirit moves or whatever. I don't think that's what we'll do today. If you have plans, that's okay. But it is something we're open to be doing. The second thing, that deepest worship happens when we first worship individually. Uh, Here's a quote from what John John Wimber said. He said, we noticed that as our individual worship life deepened, when we came together, there was a greater hunger and a greater toward God. So we learned that what happened when we are alone with the Lord determines how intimate and deep the worship is when we come together. So now we're going to kind of take from that that position, that place, and go running into the, what, what are we doing here? Why do we do the things that we do? And I think this is important because um, I, I think about this story when I was young. I have two brothers, an older and younger. We're each two years apart. And so when you have brothers that age, it's always survival of the fittest. Um, so one time my parents went away for the evening. My uncle came in to watch us. And uh, when my parents got home, they wanted to report on how things were going. And he said, well, James, my older brother, he was awful. He was just beaten up on the other two. And then when I would talk to him about it, he refused to apologize. 
And my dad's like, okay, beating up on the other two I expected. But he's, he's usually pretty good about saying he's sorry, so tell me more about what was happening. And he said, well, I sat there and I said, do you know what you did? Yes. Was it wrong? Yes. Now apologize. And he wouldn't. And so my dad had to explain to him that you're using the word apologize. He knows I'm sorry. That you have to speak in a language that in order for us to have a, an outcome that we share um, to expect that outcome to take place. So that's really what we want to do is if we talk about words here, we talk about what we want to accomplish in bringing this kingdom. If we don't talk about the words, what that means, then we never get to the point where we actually make it happen. We need to be all on the same level. Um, so that's, that's why we do that. So before we can even talk about the why we do what we do, I thought it was important maybe to talk about the, the what are we talking about question of like, what, are, what do you mean by what we do here at Branches? So first we'll talk about music. Um, we, uh, we do use a particular type of music, and there's a good reason for it. Music as a, as a whole is just a really good thing um, for us. It just reaches you where we are. It's an impactful thing for us as human beings when we listen to music. Think about when you were young and you had a powerful breakup, and you're really sad, and you come back to your room, and you pull out your Walkman, and you've got your mixtape in there, and you sit down on your bed and put your headphones on, and you hit play. All by myself, you know, um, <laughs> don't want to be. Um, so, but it, it, it meets you where you are, whatever you're, whatever you're feeling. The emotions are, are gripped by, by the music that we listen to. I, I, I feel like Moses would have been more um, equipped to do his work had he had some of the, the, the punk music of, or in rock music of the 80s and stuff if, back in his day if he's like walking up the steps with Aaron into Pharaoh's presence and, the, you know, we're right, yeah, we're free. And then by the time he gets up into Pharaoh's presence, he's walking down the, the you know, down the, the alley. I don't know how you, however you get to the throne and he's pumping his fist under his, his garment saying, we're not going to take it. You know, there's this, this feeling, this emotion that comes with music um, that is really special to who we are as people. Um, the best use I can think of in um, a setting for like a conference or a church, we were at a, a youth conference and um, we were talking, I was, I was a youth pastor, we were sitting with our kids and the, the speaker was talking about how we need to be really passionate about what God has done for us deeper in a relationship with him that moves us then into sharing our faith in the community. But there's a reality around us that there's evil that stands against us um, and he started to play the chorus of this song by this uh, anti-establishment band called Rage Against the Machines. Um, and the, the breakdown of the song just repeats over and over, all hell can't stop us now. You know, all hell can't stop us now. And like all of a sudden, all these kids are pumping their fists in the air, saying like, I am on fire to go and share my faith. And the gates of hell will not prevail because God has already had victory over this. And it's a, a pretty cool way. Music has a unique ability to do that. Um, another thing it does is it unifies our focus. And that comes, first of all, just in people in a group gathering. Uh, think about a sporting event. You're in an arena, and there's always that guy a couple rows in front of you that's, yeah, trying to get the wave going. And, you know, I hate that guy. Um, so he's working hard, trying to get all his friends. It starts to kind of trickle around. Eventually, it's coming back full bore back my way. And I'm like, yeah, because now it's cool. Um, 
I don't know what, but something about us getting together in unifies our thinking. And music takes it one step further than that. Um, there's scientific evidence. Um, well, here, I'll quote this uh, psychologist, um, Annette Shermer from National, the National University of Singapore. She wrote uh, that rhythm, rhythm facilitates people interacting by synchronizing brain waves and boosting performance and perception of what other people are saying and doing at a particular time. Hashtag science. So when we worship, when we sing songs together, there's something physiologically happening in our bodies that that our brainwaves start to move together in unity. We're able to focus uniquely on who God is and what he's done and how the Holy Spirit is moving with us. And I just think there's a beautiful picture of what our worship looks like as it goes from this place, um, all unified because we use music. So let's talk about then the style. Um, Back in the Vineyard Distinctives uh, series, we talked about one of the distinctives being that we are culturally relevant, that we don't back down on the truth of the gospel, but we want to be able to present it in a way that people understand it and can receive it. And um, music is the same way for our worship services, is that we want to be able to use music that the most people can connect with so that we can accomplish our goals. So we, we do use a, a more of a traditional sound. Um, I absolutely recognize that it's not what everyone prefers. If you like rap, if you like country, um, just ask that you set aside your preferences a little bit and join us for the sake of the worship. One thing we're not communicating is that this music is any better than hymns. Uh, that's absolutely not what we believe. Mary and I both grew up on on hymns, and there's a rich, rich heritage and um, depth to the lyrics and things. We sang some of those at our Good Friday service, and I know some of you prefer the hymns as well. Um, Definitely there's opportunities for us to use it, but for most of our worship settings, we're just kind of trying to do everything we can to engage the most people possible and set aside preferences for the sake of the greater engagement in what we're doing. Um, so that's our style. And now let's talk a little bit about this room. Um, why, do we, why do we have it set up? Why does it look like this? We just did a refresh of everything here. And a lot of this is just for practical reasons. For us to accomplish the things we want to do, it requires a stage because we need to be able to see who's talking. We're not doing that to elevate the person up front. It's just practical means to accomplish what we're trying to do here. The amplification is something just so that you can hear me on days like today where I have almost no voice. It's helpful for us to make it happen. This screen, we need a way to help you to know what the words are. This is a really effective way for us to do it. But beyond that, we have a great looking room. What do you think? I, th- I think I think it looks really beautiful. I don't have anything to do with how it looks. I'd rather not. That would be best for everyone. Um, but I did ask, so I thought I would talk to someone um, that is on our team, uh, why, why we decorate it the way that we do. And she told me that um, this, there's something powerful in making this space other, different from your normal spaces, special and reserved. Um, I think that is pretty great um, that, it's not that there's anything unique about the air in here, the floor. There's nothing special about it necessarily. But if we're talking about going into the presence of our God to have a set-aside place for us to do that um, and making it conducive for that experience, I think, is really great. Um, there's a lot of it, a lot of opinions about, like, how far is too far before it looks like a worship or before it looks like a concert, you know? Smoke machines, is that the line where now evil enters? You know, I, I don't know. There, there's... But the, the point is we're going to do everything we can to be effective in that and, uh, and do everything we can to, to draw the most people possible into this setting. 
And it's going to continue to change and grow as we move as a church. The next thing, the sound. And by this, I'm talking specifically about really the volume. We're a louder church than some. Um, uh, That is uh, in part stylistically. Um, the music that we use, if there's a driving pattern that we want people to really connect with it, we want you to be able to feel it. So we want it to be loud enough. Um, we have a drummer with a great touch that helps us out a lot, but we have chosen to use live drums um, because it has a good presence to it. It helps to just bring the sound together. But that does require that we have the rest of the volume up to a certain level to make that a reality. Uh, we want this to be something that encourages people to feel comfortable to engage. We've heard from a lot of people that if the music is too quiet, then I'm just going to listen because I hear myself too much and I'm worried that the people around me can hear as well. So if the volume is up higher, we're hoping that it encourages people to sing along. Um, and then, just so you know, we do monitor our, level si- our levels every week. Um, sometimes we might miss, but in general, we're very careful to make sure we're nowhere near a level that's going to do any damage to your ears. But we do recognize that for some of you, it might put you in a bit of discomfort. And um, we value so much that you choose to come and participate with our worship anyway. Uh, We do have uh, hearing plugs back there. If you ever need those to be able to participate, there's a basket um, back there. You can grab those and uh, and then just come back and, and join us. Uh, the next thing, these chairs, if you're, for those of us that have been here for a while, we used to have these wooden chairs that were noisy and would creak. And I, it never happened, fortunately, but they can like fold up and, you know, you fall on the ground in a pile. Um, so they were terrible. They were awful and uncomfortable. And so we got these not so you can fall asleep, but just so that the distraction of the discomfort is out of your way, that you're just comfortable here. But here's the thing that I, I worry about chairs is... Um, <clears throat> particularly maybe for introverts like me. Um, when I come in on a Sunday and I come into my, my row and I get to my seat and I sit down and it's like I almost set up these binders that this is my space. And when I stand up, I put my hands on the chair in front of me and I keep my elbows in because that's proper posture for singing. And, and I never go from this spot. And I worry sometimes that even though we have the practical use of these chairs, that we can do damage for us to engage with our worship just because it feels like we're stuck in this box. Um, I've talked with the team, like, why don't we just have a week where we take the chairs out and everyone just feels free to roam around? But that's not really practical. People, sometimes we need to sit when we worship. Sometimes we need a break. And, uh, you know, it'd be a long time to stand through some of Tom's messages. So uh, we do all of that in order to provide an environment that's conducive, but don't let the chairs stand in the way of you worshiping. And we'll, we'll talk a little more about that. The last thing, raising our hands. Why do we engage physically in our worship? And um, the best response I've ever heard to that is from Nikki Gumbel, who did the Alpha series. Uh, we did that last summer. If you haven't had a chance to do that, it's a great way to just get into the foundational things of our faith. Uh, but he said... Do you know that the earliest forms of worship and prayer was always, was always with arms raised? In the New Testament book of Timothy, it speaks about raising holy hands in prayer. In fact, even Jewish worship was also with hands raised. All early worship, all prayer was with hands raised. That was the normal form of prayer. So, if you go into a church and you see everybody with their arms in the air, just say, I've come to a very traditional church, going back to the first century worship. If you go into a church with everyone at their hands, with their hands at the side, that's fine. Just say, I've come to a church, modern, trendy, experimenting with new forms of worship. Um, there's a big history here, and uh, there's good reason. I mean, we see, well, first, just think about it physically. Like, um, 
if you're fighting, you might, you know, keep your elbows in to protect your side because you're vulnerable in here. I did a lot of self-defense training, um, and you don't want to be, you don't want to get stabbed there. Um, so by raising your arms <laughs> or anywhere, but particularly there, uh, Raising your hand, your, your hands reveals, exposes your vulnerabilities. And there's something that you feel in that position. If you don't know what I'm talking about, try it. See if you feel anything. You're okay to do that. We're all family here. Um, but there are three things that I've, I've found that get accomplished by our raising of our hands. The first one is we want deeper, if we want deeper relationship with, God's, with God, raising our hands is a great thing to do. Um, Psalm 143 verse 6 says, I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as a parched land thirsts for rain. Um, The second thing is raising your hands is perfect to do if you want to make a big deal about God. Psalm 63, 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. And then the third thing is it's a perfect thing to do if you want to submit to God. Psalm 28, verse 2 says, Listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out to you for help, as I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. So it's a perfect thing to do no matter what situation you're in. If you're in the desert and you just want more of God, raise your hands, cry out to him for that, and he'll meet you there. If you're in a land of plenty, if things have gone well and God is blessing you and you just want to honor him for it, raise your hands. It's a great way to participate in that work. If uh, you, the Holy Spirit's moving in you and you need to submit something to him. We all, we know this, right? Like my dog does this. Um, the one we can talk about in church, the move of submission that he does is he'll roll on his back and he puts his hands up, you know, and he wants his belly rubbed. Um, that's an act of submission. And he makes it about himself. If you start rubbing his chest, he takes his paw and moves it down to his belly where he really likes it to be rubbed. But, but it's still an act of submission. And the same for us to God. If we want to just give everything to him, we can raise our hands and we can worship him that way. It's a, a powerful way. So that's the things that we do here. So let's talk about why we do them. And the first thing is that um, worship brings about an experience. And this is effective for our hearts to worship in these ways. Um, I remember in junior high going to dances um, or to concerts. And there's always this guy um, who, I don't know if you've seen him before. He just loves to dance. He can't dance, but he's got his eyes closed and he's just going all over the place. And uh, I was one of those guys that would, you know, sit with my arms crossed and just watch him with my friends because I can't dance. And like, look at that, look at that funny guy, you know, ha <laughs> um, But the reality is that inside, I always felt like I wish I could be that. Like, I wish I could be so abandoned to be able to participate in the music and feel it the way that he does. Um, It helps us to come to a place where we can be vulnerable, where we can open up and engage with God and move into more intimacy. Uh, It's it's good for our hearts. The second thing is it's good for our posture. And I don't mean this necessarily as an individual or even speaking about health as much as the posture of our church, the posture at branches, um, that whatever we do to support the engagement of our church or to get to a point where we just, we don't care about looking silly or anything else, but we're going to engage in worship. It helps the whole church to move into deeper fellowship with God. Remember what John Wimber said, uh, I read earlier, through the individual participation, we become a church that is more wholly submitted and committed to following him. Um, Think about what that can do to the people around you. If someone around you is dealing with something, the Holy Spirit's moving, but they might still just feel uncomfortable to to step out in faith and and take action um, to respond. 
they're more likely to be able to move into that place if we are people who are engaging around them, inviting them into a deeper relationship. It's good for our posture as a church. Uh, the, second, the last thing is it's effective for our mission. God does three things when we worship. First of all, he reveals himself. He shows up. Uh, the second thing is he heals us. The Holy Spirit moves in us and does work to help us to move into a closer relationship with him. And the third thing is he equips us through our worship. Just like that all hell can't stop us now kind of thing is, is that when God is moving, when he is healing us, when he is moving us into a greater relationship, we're more excited. Um, we spend more time on, on our own with him. We go deeper and deeper and it's more true for us and we're more emboldened to go from this place against whatever might come our way to be able to share our faith and bring about the kingdom of God in the world. It's effective for our mission. Okay, so how do we get there? There are two questions to ask. The first is, are we Branches Vineyard? Are we a church that when people would, would look at us would say they are a church that engages in their worship? And then the second question is, are we, am I, ask yourself, am I the kind of person that engages in our worship? And if the answer to either of those question is, questions is no, and I think that there are some yeses. We have some really passionate worshipers here, and that's awesome. I think we probably have a little bit of work to do. Um, so I've got a couple things that might help. First thing is it's important that we don't fake it. Um, firstly, I want to just recognize that everyone has, has a different personality and a different style. Um, my brother and I started snow skiing at the same time, and he's the kind of guy that would go with his friend and just hit the Black Diamond Hill. With all the, the only thing he knew is you got to try to stay upright. And so he would come home at night with bruises and his face bashed in and all that. That's true. Um, where I would go to the bunny hill with the tow rope and get up there and first spend some time just on my edges. And then eventually I learned how to snowplow. You guys know the snowplow? And that just keeps you slowly going down. So I'm not going to die and hit that tree at the bottom of the hill. And then eventually I learned how to shift my weight onto an edge, get to one side, and then shift my weight on the other foot. And when I got really good, I could even pick up this foot and come back so my skis are parallel, go back into snowplow. And eventually I was able to move on into the intermediate hill where the only thing then I had to learn how to do was get off that chairlift, which was a little challenging. But eventually... My brother and I met up on the Black Diamond Hills, and um, while I do have an argument for my, why my way is better, um, we really were at the same place, the same level of skiing, but we just came about it different ways in keeping with who we are. Um, and we want to do the same thing with worship. Is there are people who worship better sitting down and quiet. There are people who worship better dancing around. And we want to be a place where there's freedom for you to worship exactly the way you are. And uh, the flip side of that is that... In order to do that, in order to engage, you need to be open to what the Holy Spirit might be calling you to do. Because it could be that one week he says, you know, Tom, just picking on you, you need to shut up this week and just listen. You know, and so you need to be responsive to that and be quiet, even if normally you're the loudest guy in here. You just need to be quiet and listen and respond to the Holy Spirit. But maybe some other week, you're not the kind that usually feels comfortable to raise your hands, but maybe as you come in, God says, there's someone next to you that I really, I really want um, to be impacted by the worship. And he stirs in you like, hey, you really need to engage this week to set them free to be able to do the same. Then let's be responsive to that and throw your hands in the air and participate in the, the loud way. Be the loudest person in the church that way. So while we want to come to this with authenticity of who you are, be, be listening to the Holy Spirit for what he might be guiding you to do any Sunday. Um, what we want, don't want to do is do this out of the wrong heart. A lot of times, um, I know for me, it's like, 
everybody raise your hands. Like, uh, I guess I have to. Like, that's not the right motivation to be raising your hands. It's not what we want. Um, it's, it's helpful for us to provide cues from up here to help move the church together. But I just want you to know that there's never an amount that we are trying, any bit of us that wants to force you into doing anything like that. So, and, the, and there are warnings against doing things with the wrong heart. The nation of Israel living in captivity, doing all the right things so that they would be recognized as God's people in the middle of foreign lands, but still having a wrong heart. God addressed them in Isaiah 1 verse 5. It says, why do you continue to invite punishment? You must, must you rebel first? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. Let's take care of our heart to move into the right place to be able to participate in worship. Or uh, Amos 5, 23 and 24 says, Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a, a mighty flood of justice, endless river of righteous living. Not at all that hymns are bad, but what God wants to see is living that is in keeping with who he is, that our relationship with him has brought us into a place where we act like him, and then out of that comes authentic worship. Uh, one great example of what worship looks like, Second uh, Samuel 6, verse 16 and following, says, But the ark of the Lord entered the city of David. Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she was filled with contempt for him. This is uh, his wife, by the way. Uh, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in a place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of, uh, of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person would do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He pointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrated before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless her entire life. Are we the kind of people who would be willing to look even more foolish because we are authentically engaging in worshiping our king? Uh, The second thing we can do is we can come prepared. Uh, Let's be real for a moment. It was raining this morning, and it, you already got to get up early. We, we babysat for five of my nieces and nephews last week. We got up at like five, right? Some of you probably have that experience every day. So stop your whining. Um, but it's, it's hard. This is supposed to be your weekend. It's hard to get here. And then now you're telling me I got to have time to be able to prepare to get my heart right to be able to worship. Um, yeah, I am. Um, there's some things we can do to be able to do that. Um, one thing is it doesn't necessarily have to be on Sunday morning. Um, when Wimber talked about our individual times for us to worship, spend time alone with God. can be on Sunday morning if you're able to get up earlier. Maybe you just kind of have to keep that alarm set the same as a work day or something to get, keep yourself, get yourself out of bed to engage in a time of worship. Tom does a great job. Um, leading us. He's mentioned before that Saturday evenings for him, for him, he sets everything aside and shuts everything down and spends time preparing for Sunday morning. 
It's a great way to do that. What can you do throughout the week to spend time alone with God? While you're doing that, pray. Spend time praying throughout the day. Spend time with God, and that helps your heart to be prepared, used to coming into his presence and engaging with him. Worship. If you don't have a resource of worship songs, um, talk to one of us. We'd be happy to do what we can to make sure that you have some stuff to, to help you move you into that place, but a great way for you to engage deeper with God. And then the last thing we can do to get there is participate. Um, Come in on Sunday morning and be looking for what God has. Ask him maybe like, God, what do you have for me today? Or who should I sit with? Do you have something for me to say to this person? Um, Be looking forward to it. And in our participation, we need to anticipate what God is is doing. We want to look forward to what he has for us. Secondly, we actually want to expect that it's going to happen. Um, I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this, but all I could think about was metal detectors. Is They are there to look for the things that we walk past all day long. We never notice because we're not even looking for it. Um, but they could find something really valuable right beneath our feet. How many times could we miss what God has for us? That small voice that the Holy Spirit is using to prod us, to move us in a direction. And I'm not, I'm not looking for it at all, so I'm going to completely miss out on that opportunity. Be looking for it. Be expecting that God is going to move. And then last, engage. Not out of pressure, again, but participate in what we're doing here. I would say... Um, just to apply a little bit of positive pressure, because maybe sometimes we do, um, that let's, let's maybe start with try, try raising your hands. Um, yeah, and the, here's the reason I would say that is you got yourself out of bed, right? You dragged the kids here. Maybe you, you were in that fight on the way here. This is a miserable morning already, and then you got rained on. It's hard enough. Why not make use of this time? Like, why make this just an extension of going to bed? If you've never done it before, just engage with it. Try it. Raise your hands. And I guarantee, I I do think if you've never done it before, raising your hands, engaging in worship will provide you with a different kind of experience than you've ever had before. So why not give it a shot? What do you have to lose? You're here anyway. So uh, who gets to participate? We all do. In fact, we need you to participate and you need us to participate. Um, I've said a number of times now that it takes all of us to be able to move into deeper worship together. Um, but I think here's the problem is that we are afraid of the things around us. We're afraid of people hearing us when we sing and they might think we're a bad singer. We're afraid of the pit stains, right? When we raise our hands, um, Rick, uh, Mr. Gumble in the, um, the, uh, Alpha Course talked about a glow, the holy roll-on, the extra strength deodorant for the extra active worshiper. Um, he uh, talked about an advertisement he saw that said, uh, uh, I was always hesitant to raise my arms in tra- church for fear the person next to me wouldn't be as blessed as I would be by it. You might say the spirit was willing, but the flesh was well strong. Um, but now that I use a glow, um, I can participate, no problem. The reality is this stuff is fun. Um, as, as long as we can get past all of those things that put us in a place of discomfort. If you can, and one way we can do that, I think, is if we just make a pact. If we say, you know, I'm not going to be distracted by you raising your hands. I'm not going to be distracted whether or not you think your voice is bad. It's probably not as bad as you think it is. Um, so let's do that really quickly. I know we're kind of long, but if you would look at someone around you, and this is a little bit awkwardly phrased, but I mean it. Um, I will only be encouraged if you choose to sing loudly. Can you say that to someone around you? I will only be encouraged if you choose to sing loudly. All right, now try this one. I'll only be encouraged if you choose to raise your hands. 
And then lastly, to help us get it past the, the, the boundaries of our, of our chairs, I will only be encouraged if you choose to leave and go somewhere else to worship. Say it. Come on. It's our pact. <laughs> I didn't hear very many people say that one. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. Who gets to participate? We need you. This is fun. And it can, it's a connection between our worship. Uh, there's a connection between our worship and our interaction with the world. Back to the top. That This helps us to get further along in our mission. For us to engage breeds deeper relationships with him, which move us into a deeper commitment and deeper excitement to go from this place and bring the kingdom of God with us. And as through that, the Holy Spirit moves and lives are changed. We see the stuff that we're all here to see taking place as God is moving in our world. So it's what we need to do. If you're on board with Branches Vineyard Church with our mission statement, and if you're not there yet, that's fine. Um, We love that you're here anyway. But for those of us who are in the boat, on the bus, whatever it is, let's, let's do this thing. Let's participate in our worship services. We all have agreed that this is a safe place where family, we can engage. Just try it out. Um, without, again, don't feel pressured. But why not make today the day that you just try? Just try putting your hands up. Try singing loudly. Try moving. We've got space all around. Try coming up for ministry time and getting prayer. Um, you might have been afraid to do that last week when we talked about that. This is where it happens. This is how we move our church forward. This is how we accomplish our mission. So we're going to do that. We're going to close with these songs. Um, Dave, I don't know what time people are going to be up here for prayer. Can they just be up here the whole time? Um, If you feel like um, you've chosen to expect God to move today, and you're listening and you feel like God has something to do in me today, We have a team up here that is ready to pray with you throughout the entire songs that we're going to be singing. Just come forward. Please feel comfortable to be able to come and do that um, at any time. Um, But let's let's engage authentically in worship. This is our job as part of Branches Vineyard Church. Excited to see what he has for us. Let's pray. And let's do it. Let's go ahead and stand up. Let's put our hands up. Unless you don't want to. But push your hands up. as we sit into a place, God, we are, we are grateful that we have a God who is present, who is active, who engages with us, who we expect to see move every time we come together, who we expect to see move when we are alone in our quiet times worshiping you. God, today we are a group of people that come with, from all sorts of different places. Uh, some of us are in a place where we are thirsty. We are aching, maybe just doubting, not even sure that any of this makes any sense at all. But God, we raise our hands to you, crying out for you to come and engage with us. Uh, some of us are in a place where you've given us so much and we are so excited for how you have blessed us. And we raise our hands to honor and bless you. And some of us, God, we, um, we've been holding back on some things. We have not made you Lord of our lives. We need to submit and we raise our hands in complete submission to you as our king, our only hope for, for restoration, for healing, for redemption, for life with our creator. We submit completely to you. Holy Spirit, come. Move in our worship. Help us to understand what it means to be your people, bearing your name, Move in branches in your church that our worship increases and in going deeper and deeper into intimacy with you, 
so that we can accomplish this mission and your glory is revealed that all of Warsaw is without excuse knowing who you are and even more than that, bowing a knee to follow you. Thank you.